Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Force, of course. My name is Ted. I'll be your host, and we have a big show for you today. We're going to do a very quick Bad Batch episode recap, and then we are really going to dig into the Book of Boba Fett series and what our hopes and aspirations are around that. But before we can do any of that, let's do the intro. Batch recap. Let's get into it. Um, episode six, titled "Decommissioned." Is the team working for Sid now? Is that is that what's happening? Is that a thing? I guess that's a thing. So we're just gonna work for Sid now. All right. Sid gives the team a mission. We're off to Corellia, homeworld of one Han Solo. Uh, not in this episode. To steal a tactical droid before it is decommissioned and destroyed. To get the intel from its processor. Um, the intel, basically, uh, the tactical droids retain and process information like battlefield information, and they are best suited to know how to fight clones. This is important information. So we're on Corellia at the factory where they are smelting the droids, I guess. They're just going to melt them down. And the Martez sisters are on the same heist. Damn it. Trace and Rafa, uh, we met them in the last season of Clone Wars, and honestly, I wish they'd stayed there. I really, I had no love for the Martez sisters, but here we are. Hunter realizes they want the intel to actually do some potential good, so he, in the end, lets them have the information. So maybe we don't work for Sid. We're better than that anyway. Let's not work for Sid. Standout moments. What do we have? Omega is developing her signature weapon style with a blaster bow uh, that she stole from the slavers in the last episode. That could be cool. They keep saying she has noodle arms and her aim's not very good. Whatever. That's she'll get there. I'm sure she'll get there. Wrecker's headaches come to a head. Ah, that was bad pun. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, he does kind of get knocked out. And when he comes to, he's saying... Good soldiers follow orders. It's kind of creepy, but nothing really comes of it. Why is that? Is it because he just hasn't seen a Jedi yet? I feel like we're being led to believe that all these blows to the head maybe activated his inhibitor chip. So now he has to follow Order 66 or no? I'm, I'm a little confused myself. So I guess we'll see if he comes across a Jedi. Um, who would that be? Maybe Ahsoka. Although she's not a true Jedi. It's cloudy, whatever. Finally, at the end of the episode, the Martez sisters contact someone via hollow transmission, and all we see is a portion of maybe their back or shoulder. Um, so it, it's being kept from us who that is. Who could their contact be? Uh, my mind immediately jumped to Ahsoka, uh, first and foremost, because they worked together. They had kind of a relationship uh, a la Clone Wars, but I'm not so sure. 
They seem to be working for the fledgling rebellion, so that brings to mind Mon Mothma or Bail Organa. Maybe, but if that's the case, why the mystery? Why, why hide that from us? They make a big deal about getting help from rogue clones. Uh, could it be Captain Rex? They think whoever it is they're talking to would be interested to know that fact. The Martez sisters do use the pronoun he uh, when they're being patched through. So let's stick with male possibilities. Like I said, Bail Organa, I don't know. Darth Maul, he's still alive. And as cool as it would be to see him again, I don't think so. Um, my best guess is probably Captain Rex, or at the very least, someone that can connect the team to Rex. Um, we see him in the trailer, and he's the obvious link to getting their inhibitor chips removed or deactivated or whatever. So that's my guess. We're going to see Captain Rex within the next two episodes, hopefully. This one felt less of a filler and more of actual substance. Um, so I think we're, we're on the track to picking up the story and really starting to run with it. At least I hope. Now, the next topic I want to cover today is a bit of production news. Uh, it was announced that the Disney Plus series, The Book of Boba Fett, has finished filming. Now, The Book of Boba Fett was a surprise announcement made in an after credit scene from the season two finale of The Mandalorian. Set to release in December of this year, 2021. And if principal photography wrapped in May, we are actually on schedule. That gives them plenty of time to score it, add visual effects, do all the things. So we're going to see this in December. But what exactly are we going to see? We will speculate wildly after the break. Okay, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the break. I know I did. I took a nap and learned Cantonese. No biggie. It's a slow day. Uh, the Book of Boba Fett. What do we know? Well, all we really know is that it's a series for Disney+. Plus. No idea how many episodes. Is it a one-off, or will there be more than one season? We don't know, but I'm leaning towards a one-and-done. It's being helmed by the dynamic duo of John Favreau and Dave Filoni, so we're in good hands. Lastly, we know what we saw in the sneak peek after credit scene. This scene is just a touch over three minutes, but what a glorious three minutes. If you watch season two of The Mandalorian, you saw the triumphant return of Boba Fett. And if you turned it off before the credits were finished on the finale, then maybe we need to rethink our friendship. No? Okay, I'll tell you what you missed. We jump right into Jabba's palace, and big fat Bib Fortuna has himself a throne of sorts, and even a blue-skinned twilight dancing girl chained to the dais. Uh, he's speaking in Hatties. To his right-hand man, which uh, he calls Weequay. Shout out to the Kenner Return of the Jedi figure. Uh, and I'm sure he's giving Weequay his DoorDash order for Eli's Barbecue. Probably the pulled pork Sammy with jalapeno cheddar grits and baked beans. Obviously. Uh, but then we hear some blaster fire. And see a guard fall down the infamous steps into the palace. Bib fucking says McClunky. Stop with the McClunky already. He sends a Gamorrean guard to investigate and he gets blasted as well. And we see the shadow of Fennec Shand descending into the throne room to deal with the rest of Big Fat Bib's guards. Seriously, why did they make him fat? He didn't... That was unnecessary. Fennec Shand shoots the chain holding the Twilight Dancing Girl, and she's gone like a fart in a fan. Now, once the room is secure, Boba comes down the stairs, and Big Fat Bib says, in Hatties, but there, you know, I read the closed caption, Boba, I thought you were dead. I'm so glad to see you. 
I heard many rumors, and blammo, Fett shoots him in the chest. Fett then rolls Bibb's fat ass off the throne and has a seat as Fennec grabs a bottle of the good stuff and sits at his side. Woo, holy hairy fart water. Just that three minutes was enough to cream my corn. So that's all the info we really have. Basically, the Book of Boba Fett will feature Boba Fett and Fennec Shand as his partner in crime, so to speak. And it seems as though they're claiming Jabba's palace as their base of operations. I'm all the way in. But I have questions. Now I'm going to try to organize my questions, thoughts, and theories and make this as easy to follow as possible. But one thing you should understand about me is my brain is always running at high speed. And at any given time, I'm dealing with about a dozen internal issues and it's just ugly in there. So bear with me. Let me try to quiet the voices enough to get these points in order. Where do we start? I want to break down the quote unquote history of Boba Fett as seen through my lens. I mean, that's the most important lens, honestly, is mine. The very first incarnation of Boba Fett is seen in the now infamous Star Wars holiday special from 1978. A made-for-TV nightmare that Uncle George seems to be so ashamed of that he refuses to release it in any way, shape, or form. And, and rightfully so. It's bad. It's like really bad. It's like bathroom accident on a crowded elevator bad. But within this two-hour shitfest is an animated short that introduces us to Boba Fett. Voiced by Don Franks. Little known fact about Don Franks, he's the father of Cree Summer, who is a voice actor of her own, uh, but more widely known as Freddy from A Different World, the Cosby Show spinoff back in the uh, 80s, 90s, I don't know. Although the holiday special was the world's introduction to Boba Fett, it isn't my first memory of that character. I know I saw the holiday special, but I, even as a kid, I knew it was terrible, so it didn't really stick with me. Maybe I repressed that memory. Maybe that's what happened. You'd have to ask my therapist. Honestly, you can see the animated short on Disney Plus now. It's titled The Story of the Faithful Wookiee. But be warned, it's not um, what doctors would call good. No, my first memory of Boba Fett is seeing the pictures of him as a mail-in figure offered on the Kenner toy line. That promo material showed him with a rocket-firing feature... And I want to set the record straight right now on something uh, that seems to be in contention. The figure that was mailed out did not have that feature. I distinctly remember opening the box that came in the mail, tearing him out of the Kenner baggie and being immediately confused as to why the rocket was glued into his backpack. Well, we can all blame Battlestar Galactica for that. They had released, probably a year or two earlier, toy versions of the Viper and the Cylon Raider that had that same rocket-firing feature that was very similar to what would have been included in Fett's mail-away backpack. But it was rumored that kids were choking on these small rockets and dying off by the millions. In fact, it's a wonder that we as a society survived rocket-firing toys at all. So you can blame Dwight Schrute if you want, but your Boba Fett did not have a rocket-firing backpack. It just fucking didn't. There were prototypes made, but nothing actually hit the streets. And you can find those prototypes in the wild. They sell for, you know, you could buy an island probably cheaper than these prototypes. But getting that figure in the mail presented me with a mystery, though. I had no backstory to this character. All the other toys that I had, I had seen them on screen. And I knew what they were about and what their struggle was and what side they were on. I think that's where the Boba Fett cool factor began. 
And that cool factor has remained a constant throughout Star Wars history. Now, the downside to Boba Fett and the cool factor, I would have to say it's what collectors call the Boba Fett tax. Now, what's the Boba Fett tax? If a figure of any main character, Han, Luke, whoever, costs, let's say, $10 on the secondary market, then the Boba Fett figure from that same line is going to cost you at least twice that because of the insane popularity of the character. That, in my opinion, is the real, the only real downside to Boba Fett. How long does it take to create a phenomenon like that? Well, in the case of Boba Fett, I will say that it takes five to six minutes. Where did I get that number? Well, in the original trilogy, that's how much screen time Boba Fett had. And he only had four lines of dialogue, plus one embarrassing scream in Return of the Jedi. But those four lines are, in order, as you wish. Now he says this as a direct response to Darth Vader's no, no disintegrations, giving him a sort of a relationship with Vader. And the disintegrations pay off big time in The Mandalorian. We actually get to see that and why it was mentioned. Uh, he also says he's no good to me dead, referring to Solo. What if he doesn't survive? He's worth a lot to me, also referring to Solo during the whole carbon freezing chamber situation. And finally, put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. Woo, riveting. I mean, these four lines alone really don't say to me, this is a badass. In fact, the hype of Boba Fett was really unfounded in, in the original trilogy based on what we actually see the character do. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me rewind my big dumb brain just a little bit and give you a breakdown of what we see of Boba Fett and who brings him to life. Now, this breakdown is based on the order in which I saw him or how the movies, etc., were released. Sort of. I mean, Boba Fett does appear in the re-released version of A New Hope in the updated and added scene between Han and Jabba at Docking Bay 94. Boba Fett is part of Jabba's entourage. Uh, he walks past camera and sort of mean mugs the audience, essentially breaking the fourth wall. Okay, this version had uh, Mark Austin credited in the suit. There were no lines. Big deal. Nobody cares. Then we have his actual first live action appearance. Boba Fett was a standout among the infamous bounty hunter scene. He addresses Lord Vader directly and isn't afraid to voice his concerns. He's not afraid of Vader. He was a badass, a mysterious masked man who put our heroes in a hurt locker big time. Or did he? I think Vader really did the heavy lifting here. Fett just tracked him down. In Empire, Jeremy Bullock was the man in the suit uh, with a pickup scene with John Morton. He was voiced by a gentleman named Jason Wingreen originally uh, until after the prequel trilogy. And then Uncle George had Fett's lines reworked completely using Tamara Morrison for um, what we'll call clone continuity's sake. At the end of Empire Strikes Back, he runs off with frozen Han Solo, effectively ruining my childhood. Next up, Return of the Jedi. We see Fett just hanging out in Jabba's palace and then springing into action during the skiff battle. Again, sort of. He gets played out fairly easily and almost is made a fool of. The way he's dispatched is comical to a fault, complete with an uncharacteristic scream like, come on, a badass like Boba Fett wouldn't scream like that. <sighs> then he flops into the mighty Sarlacc, supposedly never to be seen again. For Jedi, Jeremy Bullock, again, is back in the suit uh, with added scenes for the special editions uh, using Don Bees and uh, Nelson Hall. 
Falling into the pit was stuntman Dirk Beer. That's an epic name. And aside from the scream, he had no speaking lines in Jedi. Now, as a bit of an aside, Boba Fett did live on in multiple print releases after Return of the Jedi, whether it was, you know, books or comics, but I'm choosing to stick to visual media uh, for this particular breakdown, just the movies and the, the animated series. So the next time we see Boba isn't uh, so much a continuation of his story, but more of backstory. In Attack of the Clones, we meet young Boba as the unaltered clone of bounty hunter Jango Fett. He doesn't do much in this. I mean, he's a kid. What do you, what's he supposed to do? Near the end of the film, we see him react to the death of his father at the hands of one Mace Windu. I mean, he cuts his father's head off right in front of the kid. Dick, move. Young Boba was played by Daniel Logan, and the image of him kneeling in the sand of the Geonosis Arena, holding his father's helmet, is haunting. I expected to see him return at least a little, like as a cameo in Revenge of the Sith, but that didn't happen. Uh, not until Clone Wars animated series did we see him in cahoots with the likes of Bosk, Dengar, and Ara Singh. That's a group I would like to see revisited, and we'll get to that later. But Ara Singh takes Boba under her wing and shows him the ropes as he tries to make a name for himself while still seeking revenge against Mace Windu. Daniel Logan returned to voice Boba in the animated series, and Boba never gets his revenge. No, it's Palpatine and Anakin slash Vader that tag team Mace Windu out a big goddamn window. Finally, we see post-Jedi Boba Fett return in the Mandalorian series, and when we see him in action, particularly in Chapter 14 titled The Tragedy, we finally see why Boba Fett had the reputation of being a badass. He's finally the ominous threat that I imagined him to be as I was playing with that non-rocket firing mail-in figure way back when. But I digress. <laughs> Let's talk about the book of Boba Fett. So we know it's being helmed by Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni. And that means we're in good hands. We don't have to worry. It's going to be great. What about the score? I love what Ludwig Göransson has done with The Mandalorian. So I'd most likely have him do the score for Boba since John Williams is out of the picture. He's said he's not going to do any more Star Wars scoring. And honestly, as much as I love what Williams did with the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, his sequel trilogy stuff misses me. I, I don't understand that. Like I, other than Ray's theme, I don't think I could pick one song out from another. So let's go with Ludwig. I'm okay with that. Uh, what will we actually see in the series? If the after credit scene is the jump off point, then we have Boba in his freshly painted armor. And that new paint job looks, to me, like uh, a bad cosplay. It doesn't look great. Um, I'm not a fan. But it is important. And here's why. I firmly believe that the book of Boba Fett is going to exist in more than one timeline. Meaning we will see him operating in the current Mandalorian timeline that takes place after Return of the Jedi, and I also believe it will tell stories before Return of the Jedi, which could be confusing without some kind of delineation uh, or a clue as to what timeline we're seeing. If the armor paint is all fucked up, then it's pre-Jedi. If the armor is freshly painted, then we're in the now. So what do I want to see from these two very different timelines? I'll tell you, starting with the past. 
I demand to see how Boba Fett escapes the Sarlacc pit. I need it. We all need it. We see how scarred up he is, and and I can only assume that's from the digestive juices of the Sarlacc. That's gross, but I want to see how he got out. Now, I have written myself a little note here. It says, tell my theory from when the Boba Fett movie was being developed. (laughs) Okay. A couple of years ago, there was going to be a Boba Fett movie. I can't remember who was attached to it. It doesn't matter. It fell apart. But in my mind, I had the opening scene all built up. We start in on Tatooine and we zoom into just sand dunes. And all of a sudden, a hand, a horribly disfigured hand comes out of the sand and someone pulls themselves out of the sand. And it's Boba Fett. And he's just a mess. He's just bloody and gross and slick with goop. And he's kind of stumbling through the desert when he sees his ship, Slave One. And he goes to a ship, uh, tries to get there, and stumbles, falls, passes out. And we see a shadow come across him and someone is standing over him. That someone is Dengar. Dengar takes him to his ship, nurses him back to health. They create an alliance and all kinds of crazy shit ensues after that. That's what I had in mind. But whatever. Didn't happen. It wouldn't be terrible to see that happen in this series. That would be a nice way to, you know, explain some of what happened anyway. I'd also like to see some of his struggle to deliver Han Solo and Carbonite to Jabba. I think other bounty hunters may have tried to sabotage that for him. Um, Maybe intercept. Could have been all kinds of struggles there. Uh, I'd love to see the sail barge battle maybe reimagined from a couple different angles. That might be cool. As far as the what, I, I really don't know. Let's talk about the who. Who else could he interact with in the messed up armor era? Pre-Jedi. Here's my list. Number one, Jabba the Hutt. We know they work together quite a bit, and you could get some history between Boba and Bib Fortuna that would create tension somehow. And that might make Boba killing Bib Fortuna in such a cold-blooded fashion make sense to me. Like right now, I don't understand why he just walks up and blasts Bib Fortuna. It was never made clear why there was tension there. Number two, Darth Vader. I'd love to see them together again. Who wouldn't? That's that's a no-brainer. Who else? Bounty hunters and ne'er-do-wells. The bounty hunters from the original scene, Dengar, IG-88, Bosk, Vorlam and Zuckus. Let's flesh those two out. Like We've seen Dengar, IG-88, and Bosk in other iterations. Let's see Vorlam and Zuckus. I think that could be fun. Who else? Ara Singh, Tobias Beckett, Woody Harrelson from Solo, Cad Bane. I always want to see Cad Bane. Grief Karga. If he's part of the guild, we could see him. A younger Apollo Creed in space. Uh, Morhan and Chewie. They had some kind of history, which might also introduce more Lando. Wouldn't hate any of that. And Tarkin. Like I said, Tarkin is the thread tying all these Star Wars projects together lately. And why not? Why not? Finally, who could we see in the pre-Return of the Jedi era? Cassian Andor. This would add a lot of legitimacy to this character from Rogue One that never really clicked for me. He never felt attached to my Star Wars. He felt disjointed. And it would be the perfect kickoff to the upcoming Andor series. That feels like something that very well could happen. Now, what about the quote-unquote present-day era or the fresh paint era? We know he's still very capable. He's able-bodied. 
we know he still has his ship, the Slave One, and that is so awesome to see. Uh, we know he's got Fennec Shand as his right hand, and they have established um, a bit of a code of honor in the Mandalorian, which is cool. Now, Fennec Shand, uh, one side note I have, is she a cyborg? Like she lifts up her shirt and she's just got like robot guts when she said Fett fixed her. That could explain why she doesn't seem to age, but it's weird. We've not seen someone uh, that is human slash cybernetic before in Star Wars, I don't believe. So yeah, those two are working together, obviously. But what's the goal? To overtake the criminal underworld? The five syndicates? Now we'll dig into the five syndicates before December happens, but I don't want to go too deep there today. Maybe the five syndicates. Maybe he's trying to unite the criminal underworld. I, I really don't know. What about his vendetta against Han Solo? He's really got to hate Han Solo at this point, right? But I doubt they touch on that. I can't even really effectively speculate on what the goal of this series is. Your guess is as good as mine at this point. Who might we see in the current era or the new paint job era? Uh, some of the same old compatriots that we talked about, the bounty hunters. Maybe minus IG-88. Now, I believe Boba Fett killed him on Cloud City. You can see... Uh, an assassin droid that looks just like IG-88 in the background of the scene where Chewie is collecting all the C-3PO parts and all the Ugnaughts are going nuts in the boiler room or whatever that is. So maybe not IG-88. Uh, the short list of who we might see would be more cameos from the Mandalorian series. Bo-Katan and Casca Reeves. There's lots of bad blood there. I think that would be really cool. Um, Ahsoka, maybe. I doubt it. Cobb Vanth. Or Raylan Givens in space. I don't know. I think his story is done, but he was on Tatooine, so I could be wrong. Grief Karga, again, still around, so it's possible. I wouldn't hate it. What about Bill Burry's character, Mayfeld? I'd actually like that. I, that wouldn't be so bad. They could work together. I guess my point is, I don't know what we're going to see. Everything is totally up in the air, and I love the possibilities that are going to be born from John and Dave playing in the toy box, much like I did as a kid with my non-rocket-firing mail-away Boba Fett. December can't come fast enough. Anyway, that's my speculation. That's what I hope to see. I could be way off, but I think some of these points are going to come to fruition. That's enough for today's show. Hope you enjoyed yourself. If you did, please spread the word. Uh, you can interact with me at The Force of Course on Instagram and Facebook. Email me directly at theforceofcourse77 at gmail.com. The music you hear, Taking Me Out, is by Closed on Sunday. Please seek them out on Instagram and YouTube. They have some really cool stuff out there. Uh, as I said before, my name is Ted. This has been The Force of Course. Thanks so much for tuning in. And as always, play with your toys. <laughs>